Hi everyone. Welcome to Martech Brain, a netcore initiative where we speak to the best brains in Martech and delve deep into one topic. My guest today is Rohit Raghav, Group Product Manager at Walmart Global Tech. Rohit has over a decade of product experience and entrepreneurship experience across e-commerce, hospitality, entertainment, hyper-local commerce, and communications industries. He has worked at Wink, Oyo, Snapdeal, and Accenture, in addition to a couple of startups as co-founder in his past life. Rohit's chosen topic for our conversation today, and one which I'm really looking forward to, is the product management canvas. And we will discuss about how to bring a systems thinking approach to product management and how can it drive the marketing product interlock. So a fascinating discussion coming up. Thank you everyone. And welcome to Martech Brain, Rohit. Uh, thank you very much, sir. I, I really appreciate this opportunity. And I think um, I'm in, when I was at Airtel, we started working with Netcore. It has always been a fantastic experience for the Netcore's capabilities, um, how we have been able to leverage. We were able to leverage those at Airtel. So I'm super excited about this conversation and thanks for doing this initiative. I think it just helps the whole network so much. Yeah. So let, let's start with, um, <laughs> let's start with um, um, the theme that we've, uh, you've picked up today. Uh, so explain to us what this idea of a canvas is. Sure, sure, sure. So during my like well over a decade of product management experience, right? So I have the, I'll share the biggest barrier, which probably sums up all the barriers in a way. See, different parts of organizations speak different languages, right? And move with different velocities. So the biggest role for a product manager in any organization is essentially to be the translator and the gears through which these different parts can align, right? Now, this is, given this is the biggest challenge for, especially for product leadership who have to connect the dots across the organization. That's where system thinking is extremely critical because without understanding how the different dots connect, how different people behave in different parts of organization, how the overall business DNA is and how each organization manifests a different variant of that DNA itself, till then it's extremely difficult to do this translation and interconnection across different parts of organization. And that's what leads to system thinking mindset to solving some of these problems. And I think uh, you have a few slides for us to actually delve deeper, deeper into this. So let's begin with those. Sure, sure, definitely. Uh, happy to. Let me just share my screen. Yes. So please let me know when you can see it. Yep, absolutely. Perfect, so great, so let's get started. Uh, so as, as you rightly called out, like we are looking at system syncing approach to product management and how that is different from traditional approaches and how to drive product market interlock using that framework of product management canvas. Right. So I'll start with introduction of product management canvas and what exactly that is as a framework. So uh, essentially every business you look at, right? There's a demand side, there's a supply side and there are interconnections across those demand and supply. So I'll just share the four different layers of product management canvas to start with, right? So to start with, there's a demand side, which is essentially the customer acquisition and engaging those, those customers with a view to retain them, uh, monetize them and deliver on the value proposition at the core of it. On the supply side, typically it's sourcing logistics and then feeding all the, whether it is e-commerce, whether it is entertainment, whether it is hospitality, cataloging those, whatever we need to sell to the customer, right? And then we have demand and supply connected through channels and discovery mechanisms, right? It could be 
channels very significantly based on the business that is there. And discovery mechanism typically is products around search, discovery, uh, recommendations, personalization kind of offerings. The, the, the other two levers are revenue and cost and data platforms, right? While demand and supply gets a lot of emphasis, uh, I think what is often missing is, a, is an organization-wide understanding of what are the revenue drivers for the company, what are the cost drivers for the company. And then these are connected through business and financial model, leveraging and in, interconnecting with the data platform. Data platform, while you know, there's a lot of organization who say that there's a, there's, they're data focused, they're data driven, but there are massive, massive chasms when you're looking at, I build the product, I have the data, I uh, drive with data and I win with data. These are four different stages, mm -hmm. which, has, which are essentially mapping to data, information, insights and actions and outcomes cycle, which where there is chasm, which are often, you know, there is a lot of technology solutions available at each step of these uh, stages, right? But how to interconnect across and hop over those chasms is an extremely difficult challenge. So data platform needs a specific focus. So this is sort of the, the first sort of core. So these are the two levels where four core uh, pillars and how to interconnect those. Then the, so there is question, a demand flight. Sure, one please. question, Rohit. Now, when you're talking of the data platform, is this yeah. what companies call a CRM or a CDP or it's much bigger than that? It's much bigger than that. So if you think of marketing, for example, you called out CRM, right? So if you look at marketing, marketing is an overlay on all of this, right? Marketing will work on the demand side, supply side. CRM will take inputs from every product and service. Okay. I'll give you a small example, which I am thinking about off late. So suppose banks, right? Banks have this uh, robust CRM, so to speak, but it is very multi-channel. It's not omni-channel. Right? So channels are not integrated. Bank issues me a checkbook today, right? Which is essentially issued through a physical channel or through a call center. They know which leaves number I have on the checkbook. When the checkbook is getting over, there can be a trigger in their systems, which can just automatically issue me the next checkbook, right? But still I have to get on a 15 minute call with the call center or go to their website, log into the app and then request a checkbook, right? So this is the whole mindset of using data. And a lot of times this data is so accessible and it's, and it's not just about CRM, it's also about all the revenue and cost as well. So what is my unit economics, which is the next level of flywheel, right? So this is the le third level of uh, intervention that comes through, which are the different flywheels in each of these different four core pillars, right? And that's where data becomes extremely, extremely crucial. Do I know my right market segments? Do I know which segments are most profitable? Do I know cost to serve of each segment? Uh, and that's where I think uh, we'll talk about the marketing product interlock subsequently as well. Oh, this is this the third is, level. Yeah, yeah, this is a very powerful uh, uh, graphic, I think, which captures uh, the essence and what you're basically saying is that you need uh, for, a, for a good business, you need to connect all of these for many businesses today. Uh, these are operating in silos, especially now what when we are seeing a shift of a lot of physical world offline businesses onto uh, online and the digital channel. Unless you connect this, you are not going to get the flywheel effects across your yes, business. Exactly. Because if I don't know I'm getting a lot of supply, right? I'm Whatever business, e-commerce, real estate, I'm getting a lot of supply. But for which demand I'm getting that supply for? Or I'm getting a lot of demand. I have invested like say $10 million this month to get a lot of users into the system. But for which supply? And what is the proposition for those people, right? Most, many a times, start, smallest of startups and largest of corporates end up operating like a monolith in these areas. Got it. Go so, ahead. Yes. Yeah, so the last level is where these flywheels start feeding off each other. 
right so once i have a deep understanding of how my unit economics are working so what is the every element of cost that is involved then i can understand to which customer i have to deliver what value i'll give example of music streaming industry now when you play i have worked at gana and wink in music streaming right so when you play a song i need to know what is the cost to company of playing that song which includes cost of technology development cost of infrastructure money paid to the music label plus any overheads which have to be sort of distributed cost across the entire activity based costing sort of thing right which will put some cost to this uh, the stream similarly you need to understand revenue per stream right so how much ad revenue i can make per user per month and how much subscription revenue i can make per user per month right that will give actual unit economics dynamics now if there is a customer so if you look at the socio economic pyramid bottom tier of the socio economic pyramid with all due respect does not have a digital marketing potential right so there won't be any ads to show to them either mostly so users in that segment are actually non monetizable only cost is there because they will not buy subscription and they will not be able will not be able to serve quality ads to them which can be monetized at a good price point so that's the mindset of unit economics which should feed into demand and supply and then we talk to supply and we get a different kind of supply from uh, hyper local labels local labels which is which music also might be more appealing to that audience right so this is how everything comes together and then from inside flywheel we will get insight of which sec which customers belong to which tier so that we can act appropriately across all the flywheels for them no this is fantastic i think you've captured really the essence of a successful business what a, a business needs to do i think in in one graphic fantastic right um, so one, one question here please, please essentially if we think about it what we are basically saying is that there is a lot of data every action that suppliers do or uh, cust uh, uh, customers do so supply side and demand side so the uh, products coming in and customers taking action so that is creating data and then what what businesses are really working towards is driving a uh, customer actions okay so you want to sort of also nudge them along you want them because finally the goal is you don't want the person to just browse uh, pages or products you want them to complete a transaction yeah. and you want the data to essentially optimize what products are shown what recommendations are shown so the actions are are more effective definitely you have hit the nail on the head and that's where i think once the interconnections are set up there is phenomenal amount of value any platform business can bring to the supply side using the demand side data for example i'll give you a couple of examples for example if there is a music label which is a new music label or there is an indie artist if their music gets played they will if they can benefit immensely from the dashboard that is created from the demand side right similarly if there is an e-commerce business uh, and there is a supply side information so if suppose unilever is coming and selling on my platform right then unilever is a global seller they have tremendous insights about customer channels their behaviors their decision making all that insights i can take to the demand side and manifest those in my demand side behaviors so i think that's exactly what is the what is required because how and it is not just about uh, insights etc there can actually be monetizable opportunities that can be cross pollinated across these two areas so if there is a very unique music it can be monetized through the customers and customer insights can be monetized on the supply side for example and i think uh, uh, just to add one element more to what you're saying <laughs> is that from a customer's point of view what are customers are looking perhaps for two things they are saying that look irrespective of which channel i am on help me continue my journey so the true omni channel personalization experience 
is what customers are seeking. And second is that they would like actions to be done in as few clicks as possible. Sort of the ideal is a single click and the example that you talked about earlier, or in fact, zero clicks. The, the, uh, if my checkbook is getting over, uh, don't uh, waste my time in you know, connecting up with customer service reps and getting that. So anticipate what I'm doing, predict what I'm likely to do and do that across channels. That's really the, the, the ideal scenario from a customer standpoint. Yes, sir. At uh, NBA, next best action. Next best. Uh, so every company moves from reactive to responsive to proactive to automated. That's a typical journey of any capability in an organization. So, but yes, but yeah, I have I have today is the, the bank is reacting to my need for a checkbook. Responsive is they can do it faster. They can do it across channels. That's becoming responsive. Proactive is when they issue me automatically. Automated is when like they can figure out based on my checkbook usage, et cetera, like whether I need a 25 leaf, 50 leaf. So they don't even need to ask me that. Proactively, they have to ask me how many checks you need in a checkbook. But in an automated world, they will just determine it using data, how many checkbooks I need, 50 leaves, 100 leaves, 25 leaves, et cetera. Perfect. Good. So I think this is yeah. great. Uh, let's, let's move on to the next slide and we'll dig deeper into this. Sure, sure, sure. Great. So sorry, I did not sort of put animation on this, but no, no, essentially- this yeah, so just, I think marketing and product have to be joined at the hip because I think product is essentially like there's so much to product management that is driven from marketing. And there is so much to marketing today that is driven by product and technology that this umbilical cord is pretty much the lifeline for business in so many different ways, right? And these two functions predominantly have the shared ownership of making sure that everybody in the company has one view of the customer, one view of the value proposition, one view of the channel and one view of the dollar, right? So by one view of customer, I mean, does everyone in the company, whether that someone is an engineer, whether someone in the customer support, whether someone in the field ops, whether in the business development or sales function understands which are the target market customer segments that we are targeting. What is our value proposition for each of those? What are the, those customers' behaviors, preferences, decision-making habits, how they, how they live their life? What are the needs, wants, pains? I know it sounds cliched, but it's shocking how many organizations don't get it at all, by the way, right? So I think uh, the devil is, of course, in the details, but this is what, what I fundamentally believe. And then we go to the proposition. Does everybody have the same understanding of proposition for each market segment? Because... This is a critical input to what features we built, competitive benchmarking. How will proposition evolve as the company grows? God forbid if company gets into degrowth and gets into a tailspin, how will that proposition evolve? Which parts of proposition still have to stick around? What is the cost revenue structure? I'm going to the dollar structure, but what is the cost and revenue structure of delivering that proposition to the customer? Which part of proposition customer is paying for, right? So I think understanding of all that, one view of proposition, delivering that consistently, and monetizing that consistently with a view on the cost of delivering that proposition is absolutely essential. Many a times business just go very monolithic on the acquisition of supply, monolithic on acquisition of demand and don't get a sense of like where exactly the money is getting burnt. And by the time they realize money is gone, it's too late. The, the third piece is of course, when the channels, it sounds obvious again, but does everybody understand how my Android users behave differently from web? or for how the same user behave differently on web and Android, it's surprising how many organizations don't have a clue, right? Or how those variations across channel happen. 
which channel customer prefers why in what scenarios and what use cases and then are my touch points activated so if there is a point of sale if i am running a retail business there is a point of sale in my store it's just that which is the what is the effective view of channel is there a consistent view of channel do i understand the cost revenue structure of channel do i understand my user adoption of those channels and how the the handoffs across those channels right as you called out earlier in the discussion the true omni channel which is different from multi channel right uh, so understanding channel performance and then of course all of this comes together one view of the dollar how much i am get spending to acquire the customer retain the customer how much i am taking to serve the customer what is my revenue mix what are my supply side commercials i think it's surprising how much impact a, a fantastic marketing team can have on these uh, elements of uh, supply side as well because they understand the market they understand the segment if that insight is demonstrated to the supply side lot of negotiations lot of discussions can become uh, much more win win than currently perceived to be so this is where i think uh, this is the this is sort of the shared outcomes scope for product and marketing function great so now um now when we look at this in little bit more depth what we are basically saying is that across an organization um this idea of one view needs to permeate and obviously it starts again with with availability of data uh, across the organization um and today of course uh, uh, because uh, interactions are digital uh, brands are able to or uh, businesses are able to collect pretty much data at every touch point so one of the key starting points uh, rohit for this has to be that there's a the business has to make a commitment to collecting data at every customer interaction and then that goes into a data platform and then you build from there exactly sir so i think uh, the the touch point interface right i think and again to your point right businesses are able to collect data i think the biggest barrier that i have seen is the organization itself whether it is the dna of the organization whether it is the people within the organization whether it is the reward system in the organization too much data like if imagine an organization which is epitome of this 100% data right that will not work for a lot of people in the organization because it just brings too much transparency and too much visibility into everything at every level right so i think organizations have to really look inwards and understand how to go through those dna on organizational barriers technology is pretty much there and technology can be built out it's not a big deal so is the is the is the owner of that touch point comfortable with getting that data into the system for that touch point is the question sometimes correct and who should be the person or which should be the two or three most important teams mm-hmm. or individuals who have to lead this digital transformation yes yeah, so i think uh, i think the cpo uh, the cto and the cmo like whoever is heading these three functions have to be really convinced and it has to be driven by ceo as a single person so product Be- marketing technology uh, uh, so with, with the ceo's yes. uh, interaction exactly because this is a ceo initiative or in a larger organization it might be multi cxo initiative uh, that's the only way such an initiative can work and doesn't matter what is the size of the company till series b series c funded company it may work just on founders instructions but after that in series d onwards even startups will need that very strong top down mandate for some of these things and i think but once this starts happening i think but the, sorry just i'll just make one more quick point it's important to have those quick wins for every stakeholder so if someone is a supply technology team supply product manager they have to be able to see 
how it will help their pods win in delivering their own metrics so that is essential otherwise uh, if it becomes a too long drawn a journey without tactical wins quick wins iterations it will it will it will just uh, die down on its own without taking off excellent and uh, uh, let's now get to the interlock the product and uh, marketing interlock which is the next slide that you have let's talk through that and i think that's really the key element in completing this canvas that you've laid out so beautifully yeah. sure sure so these two slides sort of come together into this right so where we are looking at each of the interface what exactly marketing and product should strive to do together right and of course there has to be a loop all connecting all four of these colored boxes as well at some stage but i just stick to individual for now so i think first of all i think there is just too many channels today right from a marketing standpoint if you look at a marketer today i can talk to customer through facebook twitter all sorts of social media tick now there is a tiktok where i can talk i can talk through snap then i have traditional channels which already exist which might be a website and app etc etc and of course i do atl campaigns as well to talk to the customers right now in such an environment how do we identify evaluate deploy measure and optimize all these channels is a biggest pain point for a marketer so how can product and technology teams understand that pain and make it measurable like the cred ad hey just do a simple voice over download cred right that simplicity of download cred right after all the work they have done for that ad so i think just understanding what works for customers that's a marketing insight the way swiggy runs their ads on tv shows how well they understand their customer the way the swiggy runs their email campaigns shows how they well they understand their customers right they are inside the psyche of them so that's one aspect second aspect is what is the what we are communicating to customers on each channel uh and on each channel what is my value proposition communication and what is the delivery when marketing goes ahead and invest 10 2 to 3 million dollars on it like maybe 10 million dollars on a tv campaign goes ahead and shouts over the top a value proposition has technology ops and uh, product lined up the ducks to deliver on that maybe not right and when that 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 10 15 20 million dollar has gone down the drain because of value proposition is not delivered right and the measurability of that delivery right uh, solution design so a lot of solutions themselves need marketing brains very strong marketing brains right the user experience can have marketing inputs personalization type of products can have marketing inputs uh, channel design can have marketing inputs uh, any any sort of crm products technology products will have marketing inputs for sure financial products can have marketing inputs based on unit economics segments all that all that input should go into financial products as well and the go to market strategy and execution now while again this is very cliched but uh, the surprising gap in product world is feature marketing we are very good with hey i have launched a big app when i launch a small feature on that app right am i taking it to customers the right way am i taking it to the right market segments have i have i built it for the right market segments to start with right and then how will i communicate to those market segments the value proposition of that particular feature so i think feature marketing is completely broken today in a lot of different ways so i i this was a customer the supply side is similar right so making sure that we have the right products right assortment based on the customer segments so supply team should talk to marketing and understand what kind of customer segments and what kind of supply we need how ready our channel is extremely critical for example if i am an e-commerce platform can i get from a unilever or a procter and gamble all their social media uh, marketing uh, content as well right or can i work to a third party content aggregator that aggregates content from samsung lg sony there are multiple companies that do that around the world can i integrate their content into my platform with a click right so that is what marketing should push for 
uh, as well like we don't have the right information on the item page from where we can get you figure out the technology but i'm telling you this is not the right information for why customers should make the purchase decision so who, how to solve it something product and technology can figure out but what and why marketing has a crucial crucial role similarly we talked about the revenue side i think this is this is very much understood and this this is very well understood by everybody but it's just the execution where we understand what is the revenue mix what is the cost to serve mix what is my channel cost mix what is my customer life cycle value i think there's a lot of lot of intent uh, so some organization of course do lip service to these things but lot, there's a lot of intent in a lot of organization but where it fails is people don't come together because people don't see shared value in some of this if give unlimited budget to demand hey get whatever users you want and i am giving you 5 crore rupees for this month they'll not they're not going to listen to anybody right they're just going to go and try to get that money spent in the market so i think uh, the data platform is fairly obvious like how to build user content item channel 360 degree so i think one key point i'll make here there is like it's not just user that has a persona item has a persona channel has a persona right many times businesses are just stuck with customer persona which is fundamentally wrong everything has a persona unless i have a persona for everything i cannot connect them together in music world for example i know user persona of listening but if i don't the song persona i don't build a graph of artists i don't build a graph of uh, uh, labels i i can't i can't build anything right so i think that's that's the uh, three sort of slides i had prepared i think we can discuss further uh, about these things i think this is very well put together uh, uh, you did a fantastic job i think in in getting it all together with so let me ask you a and uh, uh, a question which i've been thinking about so different companies essentially end up at different uh points along each of these journeys See, in many cases um people basically get the get the general idea directionally yes this is this is where one has to go now i think one thing from what you're saying which is very critical is that different stakeholders in an organization have to get alignment together okay so because without this what you call the shared uh, uh values etc because one thing is yeah each department product marketing demand supply all have to do it in 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 their silos but the real value comes when the interlocking when the connectivity between these uh, uh different uh, uh, departments happen so how what are the barriers which really prevent companies from making this happen great point great question sir so i think there are a few fundamental barriers right and i'll start with does everyone understand at the leadership level at least the value of connecting across i think uh, sometimes because organizations may not have that much data so a lot of that the value the monetized monetary value of that interconnect is difficult to comprehend mm -hmm. right so someone needs to have that leap of faith that this is something that needs to be done for the business this and another reason why there are some barriers besides a lack of ability of data and lack of quantifiability is also a lot of these things are long term this will don't give result in one month this won't give result in three months six months this will manifest over years right this almost has to be coded into the dna of the organization and you'll be surprised how many companies don't even know what their dna is because their dna changes based on growth stage of the company how much funding is raised etc etc right in case of startups right so i think and there are some fantastically phenomenally well done startups as well i'm just quoting as a as an example there might be challenges in some startups right 
that's a one set of barriers that like the leadership's understanding of grasping and making sure that driving it the second barrier is the uh, the the product technology organization right so a lot of this work is non glamorous it is not building next generation recommendation platform all the time right a lot of this is business process automation a lot of this is grunt work because demand side there might be phenomenal app supply side might be working in excel sheets so product manager on supply side or engineer on supply side is not going to build the most glamorous interface or most glamorous integrations they are going to do business process automation to start with that's where the journey will start are engineering and product managers up for that challenge of going through the grind to get it off the ground right so that's the second challenge i think another related challenge of product and technology side is build versus buy so a lot of initial stages problems can be solved by engaging a partner a lot of those problems can be solved with the and i think last two years the way saas has transformed pretty much every element of value creation opportunity that organization to leverage there has to be a very conscious attempt what we can actually what we absolutely need to build and what we can buy license acquire from other players so that's another set of barriers i think it all summed up as i think ultimately it's all about value so i think there has to be a disproportionate value cre created by doing this and someone and it's a collective effort for everyone to wrap their head around that collective value which will take effort of 6 months to 9 months maybe a year but which will reap great dividends later on now we are operating in buka world covid has given us a shock that that resilience cannot come without getting these pillars and these interconnections in place so one sort of final question uh, on this rohit is that if you were to meet ceos of companies and uh, uh, if there are one or two things of course uh, one or two things which you could talk to them about and of, of course there'll be at different stages in this digital journey um, but if there are one or two core things which as advice that you could give to uh, either founders of startups or entrepreneurs starting on these journeys or even uh, ceos of large companies leading this uh, uh, transformation what would that be i think uh, yeah that's a great question let me ponder over it for a second i think first of all i think leader with is a ceo/cxo/board should know the dna of the organization right uh, and the business model of the organization very clear even if it's it's ambivalent even if it's ambiguous for that their level it should be communicated unequivocally in consistent manner to all parts of the organization and the dna and business model understanding has to be one click down how each part of organization needs to have their own flavor of the dna as well right so i think that dna alignment is one of the fundamental things that needs to be done second is i will say start with unit economics so any business that understands the revenue and the cost properly right because that's revenue and cost where the dollar comes from where the dollar goes encompasses pretty much everything that company is doing right uh so if if my business model or dna commands that i am demand focused i don't care so much about supply supply is unlimited then they will they can operate accordingly and then unit economics will reveal that demand supply is side because there is so much supply so we can move the cost levers there and the margins will go up if we do this thing on the demand side so i think dna and the unit economics is where the starting point will be with an understanding of how these two manifest across different parts of organization and how that shared understanding is developed into better integrated products across the areas so that was fantastic i think in in the last 30 minutes you've given us a, a amazing view of really how to go about building the next generation digital organization i think uh, amazing uh, arohit uh, so uh, thanks a lot sir as we go forward uh, the last part of our uh, program 
uh, we end on a lighter note, what I call the five ones. So uh, a quick short answers okay. uh, to one future trend or tech that excites you. Okay, I was not expecting that, but yeah, sure. So uh, as long as it's not about which movie you like, I am fine. Yes. <laughs> I struggle with those answers. But yeah, so I think uh, I'm really, really excited about Omnichannel. And it's not just about e-commerce, uh, where the true Omnichannel is taking shape. I worked on my first Omnichannel assignment when I was at Accenture in 2012 for a telco. Mm -hmm. And I think it has taken almost a decade for that Omnichannel germination seeds, germinated seeds to flower now and become full-grown trees and... So I think that's one test and that's not just because of, as I said, because in an e-commerce, but also in content, I can get content anywhere in my car, on my TV, on my laptop, on my device. And I think the way this, on, on my fridge, I can order grocery from my refrigerator now, right? I have a screen on my refrigerator where I can continue watching, right? So I think this omni-channel will definitely drive a significant value for businesses and the customers if done right. Education is omni-channel now. Right. Hospitality will become omni-channel with AR, VR when people are not traveling. So yeah, so phenomenal times ahead for us. Yeah, I think omni-channel is a fun thing that exists. And I think one thing, it, what you said earlier, which I, I think I should reiterate, see omni-channel is different from multi-channel. A lot of companies are becoming multi-channel, but omni-channel is essentially from a customer's point of view is a, a one view and a continuity and experience. I think that's very important. So I can uh, leave uh, one channel somewhere and uh, I can call up or I can interact with another channel and there should be continuity. So it's not that just I have a e-commerce and I have a physical store. If I buy something online, how easy is it for me to return something in a store? So this omni-channel as opposed to multi-channel, I think is important to highlight. Yeah, definitely. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And I think that's where uh, pitfalls are as well because uh, that's where real intelligence comes in. So if I go and return a white executive shirt at a store, then, and, and I say size misfit, then I should get a notification on app. The store you are in has a 38 or 40 size in the same shirt, or we don't have a white shirt. Why don't you try a blue executive shirt, which is also wrinkle-free? Can I get that notification? Can that appear on my home screen when I return that item? Simple to do these things. These things are not difficult. It's just organizations willingness to go out and do all this for the customer. Perfect. So one uh, tech trend that has disappointed you. Oh, that's easy. Uh, I think social has been terribly disappointing. Uh, social could never get to know people and help connect people with each other the way it could have. In fact, this is one of the startups that I was co-founder at uh, where we are solving the hyper-local commerce problem using phone graph. What we're trying to do is we and you're connected. I'm looking for a dentist. I'll see dentist on your phone graph as your, my, your recommendation to me as a dentist, right? So I think that's where I think true persona, true identities get revealed. And that's where there's, there's no, the, and the monetization also, right? Because now, right now it's not targeted enough and it's not targeted. Now the privacy laws are a significant headwind to that as well, right? Because the way social has gone about monetizing is not something that is amenable to a lot of countries and their policies. Absolutely. So I think social has been a disappointing trend. It could have done so much more. Look at classifieds, look at jobs. It is so broken still, right? Uh, classified is not a solved problem pretty much anywhere in the world today. If I need to buy a used car, it's a broken problem, right? If I want to buy a real estate, it's a broken problem because I don't get to talk to five people who might have worked at Accenture like me and who might have bought a property in that project. So yeah, Great. social is unleveraged. Yep. One good book recommendation for people. Okay. So I, I love to read. So one book that I have been reading off late and which has inspired, uh, uh, me to uh, do the system thinking framework is Peter Sench, The Fifth Discipline. 
uh, it's not one of those new books which is driving a lot of uh, attraction right now it's a relatively old title but it's phenomenal i mean when i read that i could connect with pretty much like every line it's just just fantastic learning the whole the whole book the fifth discipline yeah it's a great uh, great reading i think fifth discipline i think uh, time for everyone for to dust our old copies off and maybe reread it <laughs> yes um, one good person podcast to follow that you would recommend to people i think uh, yeah so i that's a tough one i think naval i think will be one i think he has published his almanac as well recently so he's definitely that's naval ravikant naval ravikant yes 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 at naval at on twitter i think uh, i think this is this is a great point and i think again it's an example of how social doesn't work today so like how to how which product folks to follow which technology folks to follow which design folks to follow is such a difficult problem to solve i have to i have to literally go and solve it every time i have such a question there's no no solution ready made and finally one key driving belief in your life i think that will be very easily be trust i think uh, i start all my relationships all my work with trust till there is demonstrated evidence of betrayal of that trust or diminishing of that trust i think and that's a that's a fundamental principle belief that everybody needs i know it's so easily broken and so frequently broken then i have suffered because of that belief of mine to start trust with the trust and some people will take advantage but that's a belief i have that we all need not just as professionals but as humanity so i think that's how we should be wonderful words uh, uh, rohit to Uh, bring to an end our uh, martech brain conversation i think it's for the fascinating tour uh, into the world of uh, uh, product market management uh, i think the canvas that uh, rohit put out i think is a must um, sort of backdrop i think for any company wanting to go through a digital transformation uh, thank you very much uh, rohit uh, for being here today with us and uh, friends we'll be back with another edition of martech brain uh, Uh, next week i uh, thank you rohit thank you sir